Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see all of you. How many enjoyed worship and that beautiful spirit of God? I know God is, is just kind of teaching us to go into that beautiful, intimate place, and I love it. So how many of you have enjoyed Alex's time with us on the keyboard? <laughs> Well, I'm happy to announce he's going to be with us for a while, so you guys can really pull on the calling and the anointing on him. We're so thankful for him, and he's got a beautiful wife, Annie, and she's ready to give birth, and so we'll get to meet her down the road later. But I called him Max in first service, so his name is Alex, and I called him Max because my nephew is Max, and he reminds me of him. So anyway, I'm so, we're so blessed, aren't we? God is just, and we get Annabelle back on the platform next week, everybody. God's bringing everybody back home, and I'm so excited. It's just so good to see you all. Okay, well, I'm going to be on uh, part three today on atmosphere carriers. And if you have missed part one and two, I really encourage you to jump online, listen to those teachings because they are all accumulating together. Um, I'm going to be talking today, kind of finishing up this portion of the series on the supernatural atmosphere that we carry. Last week, I talked about the first one, which was the open heaven. I hope you get a chance to listen to that. I have 12 of... Um, 12 points on the supernatural atmosphere, but I'm only going to do three of them in this series. So I may bring more down the road or do something later. But next week, I'm going to get into uh, contending for kingdom atmosphere. So we're going to learn how to contend for it. Amen. How many know our battle's not against flesh and blood, but we do have to do some contending sometime. And then after that, I'm going to be talking about re um, how to uh, carry the atmosphere of revival. And we're going to talk about ushering in the revival, because how many know the revival of God is here? I believe we're in revival. Amen. So it's very exciting. So today, I'm going to give you uh, number three, or excuse me, number two. I got my, my uh, numbers out of order here. Let me just just re do some, there we go, how's that, there we go. I'm going to give you number two of supernatural um, atmosphere carriers. So as we learned in week one, we carry the atmosphere of God, amen. Week two, we talked about the open heaven and how heaven opens up over, over us. Today, I'm going to talk to you about being atmosphere carriers of expectancy. Everybody say expectancy. We have to be expectant and excited for God to do something in our life, amen, for God to show up in our life. And that word expectancy means this. It means looking forward to something, eagerness or anticipation. I believe we're living in a time where God wants us to get excited about this season, that this is a season of miracles and breakthrough and your heart's desires. You know, maybe some of you, your heart's desires have been on the back burner for a little while. Maybe you feel eliminated from what God promised you and it just hasn't come to pass yet, but I'm here to stir up your faith to get you excited and expect it because we serve a miracle working God, don't we? We serve a God that still sits on the throne. He is the great I am. He's the alpha and the omega and he's everything else in between, amen. He is everything. And so what I want to do is get you excited and get your faith built up to believe God for some incredible things in this season. 
as we begin to get our personal expectancy up, it is contagious to others so they can begin to expect miracles for themselves. Even this morning as we were in worship, I could just sense little pockets of expectancy. I could sense some people were like, yeah, let's, let's go a little deeper. Let's open up a little bit more. And it became contagious throughout the rest of the sanctuary. So the more that we became, become expectant in the morning and in our days for God to move, it will create this momentum in the kingdom of God for the miracles, signs, and wonders that we long to see. Amen. But we have to have those desires. We have to be willing to say, I'm not going to do life as normal. We don't want to get up tomorrow and struggle with the same things that we're struggling with, our same thoughts and insecurities and feeling like God has abandoned us. We've got to be willing to do something different to expect God to move in our life. Amen. And it comes by the power of God. So I'm going to have us look in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and. I don't have it for the girls back there. Oh, they, they, did you guys get it for me? Thank you. And it says this, and being assembled together, this was Jesus. He was about ready to ascend into heaven. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What he was giving them instruction was, I don't want you to go back to doing what you're normally doing. I don't want you to go back to the customaries of life. I need you to stay together, and I need you to wait. And what were they waiting for? The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And he wanted them to stay together in unity, in one accord, in the upper room until that miracle happened. What were they doing? They were expecting something from heaven. But they didn't know what, to, what it was. They didn't know what was about to happen. But what were they doing? They were eagerly anticipating something. Now, just imagine 120 of them had to live in this upper room together for however long it was before the Holy Spirit came here on earth. That waiting period is not always easy, is it? I'm sure they didn't get along. I'm sure there was some arguments that went. I'm sure somebody was trying to be in charge and, and be in control. And so that waiting process when you want God to do something and, and you get that initial excitement and you get your faith all activated, and then there's this little time where you got to wait. But God wants us to be willing to stop what we're doing in our life and not wake up disappointed tomorrow and expect the same results. We're going to wake up with an expectancy, God, where you're going to show up today? God, where's that miracle going to break through? Where's that promotion coming? Who's going to favor me? When is my children going to call me on the phone? What miracle is going to happen tomorrow when I wake up? And when you have that expectancy and go, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow the way that I woke up today. I'm not going to wake up with my expectations down here or literally having no expectations and letting my 24-7 run me over. I'm going to choose that if I really want an atmosphere that's different in my world, I'm going to choose to expect God to knock on my door. Amen? And that's what they did. And what happened? The power of the Holy Spirit came and filled them up and changed the world forever. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. When God shows up, miracles happen. Amen. There are breakthroughs in the presence of God. But we've got to be willing to break the mentality of business as usual. 
Because what happens, business as usual, I come to church and it, we just sing our couple songs and then we go to the next thing. Is that good? There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to expect something bigger, right? I want to expect when I come into church to worship that I feel the power of God, that I sense his presence, that I hear his voice, that I can bring my friends and they're going to give their life to Jesus. They're going to know the real power of God. My expectation is so great. And then what happens? We all come in here and there's this amazing unity and we have breakthrough like we had today. And listen, if you thought this was awesome, get ready. Because it's just like we just tapped a little tiny hole into what I believe God wants to do in this church. There's a prophetic sound coming out of this house through worship. I believe there's songs of the Lord. I told Alex earlier, boy, I could just prophesy. There are songs of heaven coming to you. There's a sound of the throne room that God's going to open up and begin to download to you. And it is songs that angels sings. And it's a new sound. It's a sound of heaven. And it's going to be a roar throughout the world. That's what I see. There's a song coming that's going to be a roar, a prophetic sound. Because how many know it's the roar of the spirit that changes things? We don't need any good songs anymore. I need God's power backing what I'm singing. I need miracles to happen, amen? We need the power of God. And when we can tap into that expectancy, revival has to happen. Blinded eyes are going to open, amen? Deaf ears are going to, oh, they're going to see and hear. Lame are going to walk. There's going to be miracles that are going to happen in the presence of God. And nobody's going to even need to lay hands on them. They'd they be walking in the parking lot, Spirit of God, knock them out. Like, I don't even believe in speaking in tongues, but what's coming out of my mouth? It's a new language. I don't know why. Because that's when God is showing up, amen. And that's what I want as your pastor. That's what I want in this city. That's what I want for you and your families. It's God to bring freedom and deliverance and a joy back to our walk with Jesus Christ. Amen. How many would like your joy back again? And I don't mean just a good vacation. I'm talking about something bubbling up on the inside of you. A joy of the Lord. Waking up every day happy and excited and going, God, what are you going to do in my life today? We serve a powerful God, amen. I don't want my prayer to be business as usual. I don't want my worship, my coming to church. I don't want anything I do to be business as usual. I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I don't care what the world looks like, doom and gloom. I can step into Jesus and be a carrier to this lost and dying world and give it away. Man, it's exciting, Amen. The church is going to shine in our glory because we are called to carry this freedom of expectancy to others, but we first must receive it ourselves. Amen? Okay, so let's look at Mark uh, chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, and this is such a cool story when the Lord uh, opened this up to me in the last week or so, but it says this, when Jesus had crossed again by boat to the other side, I want you to look at this, many people gathered to him. See, when Jesus started showing up on the scene, everybody wanted to be around him. They wanted to see the miracles. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They were looky-loos. What is he going to do today, right? They thronged him. They were excited about him. And he was beside the sea, one of the rulers of the synagogue named Jairus. Now, ruler of the synagogue is a high influential person, a person of status, right? They have certain religious ways that they can behave and how they have to carry themselves. But Jairus had a need. Don't you get that in your heart? Jairus had a need. Even though he lived by these strict religious boundaries, there was something inside of Jairus that needed to expect something different than the religious way that he was running the synagogue this day. 
And when he saw Jesus and came, and what did he do? He fell at his feet and asked him. What did Jairus do? He didn't do business as usual. He didn't want to just live, be in the synagogue and repeat the religious prayers or the incense or whatever they do. He had a need on the inside of them. And when he heard Jesus was coming, he said, I have to change my expectancy. I don't want a religious experience today. I need Jesus to touch my daughter or she's going to die. We have to get to a point in our walk with God where we're not going to be bound by religion and all the legalism that it takes. We're going to drive to Jesus in his presence and expect those miracles. Amen. I'm going to get up and put on my worship music, and I'm going to march and speak in tongues in my home until I can get my breakthrough. Amen. I'm going to put some worship in my car this time instead of listening to the news, and I'm going to worship God. Why? Because I'm expecting a miracle to my house. I'm creating this expectancy of God to do something. So he fell at his feet. Imagine the humility it took to fall at Jesus' feet when he worked in the synagogue. Maybe the rejection he was going to face. Maybe his position he might lose. But guess what? He didn't care. When the church gets to a place when we don't care and we just throw our feet, at, uh, throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus, miracles will begin to happen. We've got to get uncomfortable. It was a little uncomfortable, wasn't it, today? Like, well, where are we going to go? I mean, as the leader, it's a little uncomfortable. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to take this thing? Do we keep going? Do we stop? Right? But that's awesome. Why? Because my expectancy is strengthening, right? I'm opening up for God to move miracles in this church. And what did he say to them? My little daughter is lying at the point of death, and I ask you, come and lay your hands on her so she may be healed, and she will live. Do you see his expectation? She's sick. I need you, Jesus, and I know she will live. So Jesus went with him, and many people followed him and pressed in on him. So what are we doing in this story? Jairus comes. There's a throng of people, and he says, I will come with you to your daughter's house. Can you imagine how Jairus felt at that morning? Like, yes, Jesus heard me. Jesus is answering my prayer, and not only that, he's coming to my house. That's something to rejoice about. But here you got Jairus in the middle of his miracle. And this other woman who has an expectancy in her heart shows up in the crowd. And her, she was the woman with the issue of blood. And they're on their way. The whole crowd's supposed to go to Jairus' miracle. And here comes this woman with the issue of blood that nobody wanted. They cast her out. She was put to shame. And she was a woman that said, I don't care what anybody has to say today. I don't care who hates me. If they stone me or kill me, I've tried everybody else. But if I can just sneak to the feet of Jesus, if I could army crawl past all the men and all the women and kind of just get under their feet and touch his hem, I know I will be healed. This woman was expected. She didn't care what nobody thought about her. She had had enough. Have you ever been in a place where you had enough? That's it. Come on, devil. I'm pulling up my sleeves. Let's go at it, right? I'm going to get to Jesus, and I'm going to find freedom. Now, this story is taking some time, and there's this moment that Jesus stops, and Jairus' daughter is still very sick and dying, and Jesus stops to this other woman who he cares about. And he looks down at her, and he says this to her. He says, daughter. Be of good cheer. The moment she touched him, daughter, be of good cheer. Now imagine Jairus and how he's feeling in this moment. Like, wait a minute. You're supposed to be going to heal my daughter, and you're healing, calling this woman daughter who isn't worthy of it? 
who has a bad reputation, who has been rejected and cast out to the other side of the wall and could be killed for being here, and you're going to call her daughter? There's that time where your expectancy and God shows up and he's like, here's my word, here's my promise, and then there's this delay. And we wonder, where is God at? But listen, my expectancy does not depend on me. It depends on God. My expectancy is not on my circumstances. It is on God. And maybe you're sitting here today and your situation looks dead and hard and over. And how can God and when can God? But God says, if I promised it according to my word, it is yes and it is amen. It is so be it. It doesn't matter what it looks like. If your expectation stays in faith, Jesus is still going to show up at your door. And all of a sudden, this miracle comes, and, and God heals her, and it's incredible. But in the meantime, the servants of Jairus shows up. And you know what they say to him? Don't bother, Jairus. Your daughter's already dead. Have you ever had these feelings? And you may not say them out loud, but why bother? Why bother trusting God anymore? Why bother believing for a miracle? Why, why bother believing in a relationship or a marriage or trusting a pastor or trusting a church again? Why bother? It's never going to change anyway. Has anybody ever been there? You don't have to raise your hands. I'm not looking. Right? We've all been there. And, and, and we may not say it in, out loud, but there's this unbelief on the inside of us that says, why should I dream again? Why should I believe again? Why should I trust again? But you know what? Jarius didn't do that. He allowed this delay. He allowed this, this discouragement came, and he still walked with Jesus. And he said, if you'll come, I know my daughter will raise from the dead. And Jesus went on his way. He was not worried about the miracle. He didn't care about the report that came that the daughter was dead. He didn't care about the angry mob that when he showed up at the house, they were more, you know, they paid mourners to really exasperate what was happening. And what did Jesus do? He showed up and all this confusion is going on. And Jesus said, get out of my way. See, when you're in that delay or something looks dead, but Jesus said it, God promised you according to the word of God, right? He cannot lie. Then you have to tell every opposition, get out of my way. Get out of my heart. Get out of my emotions. Get off my crazy spouse. Get out of my children. Get out of every situation. You got to get out so I can make room for Jesus to show up. Come on, Jesus. Here's my house. Come on in. Amen? Why? Because the miracle is on its way. But we've got to get our expectation up. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Amen? And guess what? Jesus showed up, and you know what he said? She ain't dead. She's just sleeping. He said, awake. And what did she do? She woke from the dead. The miracle is still in motion. Amen? No matter what it looks like. Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at this in Luke chapter 18. Now, I'm going to share a few verses here to really validate this expectancy. It says this, that he, Jesus, was drawing near Jericho. A certain blind man sat along the way. What was he doing? Begging. He sat along the way begging. Now, if you look at that word begging, it means he was requesting alms, alms, money. Maybe he could eat or whatever he needed money for. This blind man did not expect anything else any day. All he said is, I'm going to beg and get what I could get. But God was about to show up in his life, amen. He had one mentality of begging. 
but everything was about to change. Hearing a crowd passing by, he asked what it meant. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. What happened? Jesus showed up on the scene. The reputation that he healed people, delivered people, set people free. And here's this Jesus. He's got this opportunity that Jesus is showing up. And he changes his expectation. He had none. He had this desire, give me a little money I can eat to get through the day. And we live like that as believers. Let me just get through my day. Let me kind of just feel good. Let me maybe have his presence or a little revelation. But when Jesus shows up, he changes everything. The expectation opens up. And what did he do? He cried out. See, we got to be willing to get out of the normal. We need to cry out to God. We need to thank God for what he's doing. Thank him for opening up the windows of heaven. Thank you for your anointing that breaks the yokes in my life. Amen. Thank you for your presence that heals and delivers and sets free. Cry out to God what is your need today. He is yes and he is amen. And guess what he did? He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But get, this, get the picture. You've seen riots this last you know, few months or whatever. Think of all these thronging people shouting, following Jesus, right? And this blind man who nobody cares about is trying to get Jesus' attention. How in the world is his voice going to be overheard over everybody else? But that wasn't how Jesus heard. Jesus hears faith. And when he heard the man say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, faith arise, and that got the attention of Jesus. We don't activate things in the natural, thank you, Jesus. We are supernatural people. And when we say Jesus, when we call on the Holy Spirit, when we declare the word of God, we are stepping into the supernatural where miracles take place. Amen. I'm believing God for some incredible miracles in this season, and I can't wait. So he cried out. His faith was activated. He changed his expectation. That word cried out means this, to raise a cry of joy and pain. Think about that. There's this desire for him to be healed. Jesus! But there's also this pain of, do you hear me? Has anybody ever been there before? I want a miracle, but I don't know if you're going to do it. It was this cry of, I need you so desperately, and I'm changing my expectations, believing that you're going to show up this time. There's cries that get Jesus' attention. Then those who were in front rebuked him so that he would be kept quiet, but he cried out even more. And he said, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought to him. When he came near, he asked him, this Jesus is so cool. Like, Jesus is so cool. He knew what the man wanted, but he looked at him and he says, well, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you? Now, in the past, the man would say, well, you know, can I have a dinero? I don't know what kind of money they had back then. <laughs> can I have a little coin or whatever? But Jesus was testing his heart. Do you have the same expectation as before, just getting by, or has something changed on the inside of you? It's <laughs> so good. He said, he said, Lord, grant that I may receive my sight. 
what happened is expectation got up to a miracle. It wasn't just getting by. I need a miracle. And when your desires are a miracle, God shows up on the scene for miracles because we serve a supernatural God. Amen. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Can you see the difference between expectancy? So awesome. So let's look at Mark 2, 1 through 5. Again, Jesus, he entered Capernaum, or Capernaum, however you want to say it. After some days, it was reported that he was in the house. We're talking about Jesus. Immediately, many were gathered together, so there was no room to receive them, not even at the door. What do we see there again? Jesus shows up, and what happens? Thousands throng him. They want to know their looky-loos. What is he doing? Who is he healing? Who is getting delivered? Maybe I can get healed. All this is going on, right? And the rest of the story goes on, and you know it. We don't have to read it. But they take this paralyzed man that's on the four, four they're holding him by four corners of a carpet, and they go to the roof, and they drop the, him down to Jesus. What were they doing? Expecting a miracle. There was probably hundreds there who needed a miracle for their family. But this, this people said, I'm going to go a little further. I'm not going to knock on the front door. I'm not going to try to fright my battles. I'm going to get up on the roof. I'm going to raise my expectation for this miracle. I don't know how many of you, but if I go to an event, and this is true, if I go to an event and it's really packed and I got to park far away and, you know, there's hardly going to be any seats and it's hot, I'm probably going to get in my car and drive home. I don't want the bother. Sometimes when it comes to God, our flesh doesn't want to bother. I don't want to have to raise my expectation. I don't want to have to get into worship. I don't want to, I want to do the normal but expect something different. But if you can see in the word, they did something different to raise their expectations. Not through legalism and not through the law, but through this cry of faith on the inside. That said, I need something different. And what did they do? They dropped this young man down, and what did Jesus do? He got their attention, and Jesus healed this lame man, didn't he? But now I want you to look at this. We've had this story of thronging. Jesus, everybody wanted to be around Jesus. Everybody loved Jesus. They were celebrating him. But what happened in Matthew 13? Let's look at that. Now, it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come, to his own country. Everybody say his own country. I call this the hometown attitude. Jesus came to the place that he was raised. They were familiar with him, right? They watched him be raised by his mother and all of that. So look at this. He came to his own country. He taught them in their synagogue so that they were very astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Now, have you ever been in a service or at a worship experience where it's just like, man, that was such a good word. That was so powerful. It was so life-changing. And yet we walk away and we're unaffected by the word. <clears throat> we shout and we praise and we maybe take a really good note, but we go home the same way with our expectations down here, disappointed, frustrated, discouraged. Well, if you look at this, they had this, that's an amazing word, Jesus. Where did you get that wisdom? How did you learn that? Something inside of them came alive, but what happened? Verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? <clears throat> I might need a little bit of water. Somebody can get me some. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his, uh, is not his mother called Mary? What was happening? Thank you so much. Hang on. Everybody say hi to each other. <laughs> it's so embarrassing to drink up here by myself. Okay. 
<laughs> so what happened? Here's this mighty word, and then they begin to be common. Jesus became common. Jesus became average. No longer was he the man that can speak profound wisdom, be the miracle signs and wonders, but now he's just familiar. Is not his mother called Mary and his brother James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? When did this man get all these things? And what does verse 57 say? So they were offended with him. What happened? Jesus became common. And I want to ask you, just in our own personal life, do you remember when you first gave your heart to Jesus? I mean, we were so radical, weren't we? On fire, loving Jesus. I was preaching the house down, winning teenagers to Christ, doing evangelism, expecting miracles, laying hands on everybody. There was this excitement about who Jesus was in our life. And then we get just a little bit older in Jesus. And what happens? He becomes common. Becomes common. We forget who he is. We forget his power. We forget his authority in our life. We forget that he is God who sits on the throne. And we look at him as common. And then what happens? The rest of that verse goes on to say in verse 58, Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. If we wonder why we are not seeing what we want to see in the spirit, it's because maybe we have made him common. Maybe when we come into church, we've made church common. When we get in the word, it's just common. We're not pulling on him like they did in Capernaum and in other cities where miracles were happening and the blinded eyes were open because they didn't see him as man. They saw the anointing on his life and their expectations were up here. We've got to get our faith back where God can do the miracles. Amen. We don't want the hometown attitude, which is business as usual. Amen. We need the supernatural move of God, healings, demonstrations, and the open heaven. Now, let me have you look at this in um, Psalms 103, verse 5. It says this, and I know I'm giving you lots of meat to chew on this week, and I really hope you do study these scriptures, but Psalms 103, verse 1 through 5 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And what, is, what does David go on to say? And don't forget his benefits. So what are the benefits? There are benefits in having Jesus on our side, amen? What are they? Number one, forgives all your iniquities. Thank you, Jesus. I am forgiven of my sin. We can drop the mic and go home because that's all I need. But he goes on to say, I heal all of your diseases. I redeem your life from destruction. I crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy. I satisfy your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen? Look at the benefits of God in two little verses. We have something to get excited about. We have something to get our expectations up to create this atmosphere of miracles. Amen? When Jesus shows up, miracles happen. Amen? Really quick, we're going to close with number three, and it's a lot shorter than number two. Number three, atmosphere of supernatural surprises. How many want some supernatural surprises in your life? Some miracles to show up every day we're going to get our expectation up. C.S. Lewis said this. I just loved this quote, and I put it up there because he's a little wordy. It says, indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature 
of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Isn't that powerful? If God was to look at your life right now for the expectation, man, we serve a God that has a cattle on a thousand hills. We serve the great I am. We serve the all-powerful, living, mighty God that created the universe with his words. And that same power abides on the inside of us. And are we living to the expectations of the miracles of God? Or have we bowed down in disappointment and in frustration? And we've allowed the atmosphere of darkness that nothing's working. I don't see the miracles. I don't see healings. The world's falling apart. Everybody's gone crazy, right? And that darkness settles on our heart. Or are we going to see the extraordinary power of God? We don't serve an ordinary God, amen. We serve the God of the word of God. And as a believer, we don't want to settle for reduced benefits. I don't want anything less than what the word says. If the word says I'm healed, I'm healed. If the world says my family's saved, my family's saved. If the world says my kids are delivered from drugs, my kids are delivered from drugs. I want the benefits of the word of God that God gave us as believers. And if you get your expectancy up, those miracles will begin to unfold in our life. Amen. We want to have that get out of the boat mentality. I want to get out of the boat. I'm going to step in the water and I'm going to begin to walk on that water. Why? Because I want you to get out of the boat and walk on the water. And when you get out of the boat and walk on the water, you're going to be contagious to somebody else to get out of the boat and walk on revival. I want to believe for miracles so that you can believe for miracles. And if you're believing for miracles, those around you are going to believe for miracles. What does that look like? Revival. It looks like the church has awakened, amen. We'll begin to see what God said we could see according to the word of God when his kids begin to step up with expectation. Don't be afraid to get your faith out there. Amen. I don't want to do business as usual. Amen. I don't want to settle for no faith. I don't want to settle for religion without power. I don't want to just show up to church anymore and not see people set free. I don't want to see people just confess Jesus and their life never really be touched by his power. I don't want to settle for a Bible that doesn't work today. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I don't want to settle for a small God or, non, or a non-supernatural Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't want to settle for survival thinking mindset. It's time to believe big. We are atmosphere carriers. We have the open heaven. Amen. We have the blessings of God in our life. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to do my two points again atmosphere of expectancy and number three was the atmosphere of supernatural surprises in our life father i thank you today for this amazing church and people at home and watching god and our teams lord i thank you for the supernatural that you are opening up and igniting the gift of faith in us once again father we want to expect miracles breakthrough we want to i i just feel like the lord saying that he wants to fulfill his words spoken over you and maybe there's been some disappointments because the word spoken has not come to pass yet. And God is just removing that disappointment that has become like a blanket and has covered your, your heart and your mind. And God is pulling that off of you today. 
and he's going to release again the desire and the faith to believe for that promise once again. God's going to awaken it. He's going to awaken it. He's going to put it in front of you that God never stopped moving on your behalf. He never stopped creating this miracle ahead of you. And the Lord says, look with expectancy because I'm giving you your heart's desires. I'm giving you what you've longed for. I'm giving you what you believed for. My hand is extended with favor, says the Lord. So receive and open up your eyes and begin to see by faith that I've already done it for you. And I will deliver it in my way, in my time. And God, I thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said amen and amen. God bless you.